Lisbon is a city of golden sunsets and cobbled streets. Its Atlantic vistas recall ancient conquests and explorers' tales. And it's a city that's faced formidable challenges. Earthquakes, floods, economic and political upheaval all have shaped a resilient spirit. Today, Lisbon grapples with modern challenges like gentrification and with it a housing crisis reshaping neighbourhoods and communities. Climate change threatens its coastline while the city sits at the heart of Portugal's complex politics. I'm Jonah Hull in Lisbon. Portugal's capital has emerged as Europe's leading tech and remote working hub, a place where digital nomads bring new dynamics to the economy. But are the revenues from these new assets being spread among its people? That's a question being asked with increasing urgency as the city's landscape evolves. And now Portugal faces a snap election after Prime Minister Antonio Costa resigned following an inquiry into corruption and peddling influence. What impact will that have on the capital city? The mayor of Lisbon, Carlos Moedas, talks to Al Jazeera. Carlos Moedas, Mayor of Lisbon, thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Your city, Lisbon, has come a long, long way since the Phoenician days when it was a remote trading outpost on the edge of the known world. Now you're at the centre of a new age, a new economy, the fourth industrial revolution in technology. At least that's your vision, Silicon Valley of Europe. Tell me more about that. Absolutely. I think there's a part of history that is always important to remind. And as you said, like 1,200 years before Christ, Phoenicians founded this place and they call it Alice Ubo, safe harbor. And I think that Lisbon is about that sense of belonging, of being safe and being safe out of diversity. This was the city where Muslims, Jews and Christians lived and with that diversity, they created new things and new products. And so I think that Lisbon today has that DNA of diversity, that DNA of openness. And my vision for Lisbon is a city that is the capital of innovation because innovation is the only way you can create jobs. So I don't like innovation because of innovation. I like innovation because innovation creates jobs. Because if you create new products, new markets, then you create jobs. And that's what I fight for every day. So with those jobs, I can receive taxes. And with those taxes, I can help the poor. And I can help the ones that have nothing, the ones that live still in difficult conditions. And so I think that uh, that vision of a city of innovation has been, for me, paramount. And that's why this week of the Web Summit is so important. When you started talking about this a couple of years ago, a lot of people said it couldn't be done. Yes. or that it wouldn't be done, or perhaps they didn't want it to be done. Yes, because I started with this project of having ambition. I think that this generation needs audacity, ambition. And I had this idea of creating what I call the unicorn factory. And people laughed about it because they thought, look, Lisbon, a unicorn factory, unicorn as being a one billion euro company. And I wanted two things. One, that people understand that innovation is a difficult
difficult process that to innovate you have to get up in the morning and train and work every day like a, really a factory and then a unicorn because I want people to be uh, or believe and I think we believe that that we can create big companies and that's my point I'm attracting unicorns to Lisbon and in two years I have attracted 12 unicorns to a country that has only produced seven. Well we'll get to that in a minute you also call Lisbon the city of dreams. You had a dream to make it the European city of innovation a couple of years ago. You now have a new dream. You mentioned the Web Summit. You said it at the opening speech at the Web Summit, your opening speech. You said you have a new dream that, you, uh, that involves a challenge, a challenge issue to these digital nomads out there that you hope will make Lisbon home. To, as you put it, if you want a future for your children, you have to focus technology on humanity and democracy. Yeah, I think that, uh, first I think that the, the person who said that Lisbon is the city of dreams was this summer we had Pope Francis. And Pope Francis talked about that city of Lisbon as the city of dreams. Uh, and I think that that made me think about the fact that today technology is somehow destroying democracy. And we cannot allow that. We have to reconcile technology with democracy. We have to put technology working to solve the problems of the day. And my challenge to these young people and these young entrepreneurs is that like make Lisbon that safe harbor where technology meets humanity, where technology solves problems of housing, where uh, we have problems of health issues, we have problems of climate change. And if you focus technology on that, then you reconcile with democracy because today with the social networks, with technology in general, you find that you are kind of like creating friction and friction destroys democracy. And as a politician, I'm very worried about it. I'm worried for the future. And and I think that we have to change gear and put really technology working for the good. You're clearly something of, a, of an evangelist for innovation, technology, innovation. You were, of course, the European Commissioner for innovation for some time before taking up this job in 2021. Something else you said, innovation is not a light bulb moment. It's not an idea. It's a process. What does yes. that mean? Yes, I think that there's a lot of uh, people that think that innovation is like I have a good idea and I get over with it. No, sometimes you have ideas that are not that good, but if you really are willing to put the work, if you're willing to put the energy, then it becomes a great idea and a great company. And so I think that we have to stop thinking that innovation is about that. Innovation is really a hard process. You have to learn along the way. You have to get really the skills that develop that idea into a product. Innovation for me, the definition is very simple. It's something new and useful. You know, and if it's new and useful, it's innovation. But if it's not useful, it's just something new. There's a lot of things new that are not useful. And, um, and I think that well, if you I, I believe suppose usefulness that, is also something in the eye of the beholder. It may not be useful to you or even to the betterment of mankind. It may be useful for other people. Absolutely. And, some, and the biggest innovations are innovations that people don't even realize that they are useful at the beginning. When you created the mobile phone, people didn't know that the mobile phone was something useful right? Because you are creating a new market. And that's what Clayton Christensen and uh, the gurus of innovation at Harvard Business School called it the market creating innovation. And that's when you create jobs. Because innovation sometimes, if you think just about efficiency, innovation can reduce the number of jobs. Because if you're more efficient doing something, 
you don't need the same amount of people. That's not the innovation I'm talking about. I'm talking really about innovation that creates new markets that then create jobs for people. And uh, again, I mean, today uh, with democracy and the, the things that we're living, you see that a lot of people are also skeptical about innovation because they think they're going to lose their job. I think that innovation can create jobs. And, uh, and for the future, I think that we'll have this uh, competition in between cities, not in between countries. Uh, and I really think that Lisbon is very well positioned for that. Uh, and you know, this year, I don't know, in, the, the, in a couple of weeks, we'll have the news if we will be considered by the European Commission the capital of innovation of Europe. And, Formerly uh, crown. And absolutely, with one I mean, million what, euros. Nine semi-finalists or something, is that right? So there's three uh, cities in the game, and uh, the decision will be taken on the 27th of November. I'm, I'm, I'll be there. I hope that Lisbon, Lisbon deserves that, because we've been a city where really uh, the change has been absolutely unique. I mean, the unicorn factory uh, has been a project that is considered everywhere in Europe as really a magnet of those companies. The other day we, we, we received a new company, which is uh, really a partnership in between BMW and a Portuguese company. And the CEO of BMW said, you know, today, I mean, he was absolutely, I think, exaggerating a little bit, but he was saying a car of BMW cannot now really be finished without Portuguese technology. You know, this is a big change. I mean, for the countries, I mean, I was really proud. I mean, I don't think that 10 or 20 years ago that would be true. Well, well let's, let's get into that because I, I want to go through some of the numbers pertaining to the city of Lisbon and the new tech economy here because they're pretty impressive. Investment in startups up by 30% every year since 2016. That's double the EU average. Those startups now worth close to $23 billion. That's up 26 times since 2016, 10,000 jobs created. And as you talked about unicorns, Portugal has launched 12 unicorns. That's more than Spain, Italy and Greece. And for the sake of those who don't know what a Absolutely. unicorn is, it's a tech company worth a billion dollars or more, not listed on the stock exchange. An extraordinary achievement. You've clearly proven the critics wrong. Absolutely. And, and uh, I'm very proud of that because that's a whole generation. You know, my generation, in this country, we had to leave. I mean, I, I lived in London, I lived in the United States, because I wanted, I mean, I, I'm not a career politician, I, I, I'm an engineer myself, and so I had to leave the country. And I promised myself that I will contribute for this country to really change gear in terms of the investment in technology, the investment in research, the investment in science. Uh, when you look at crisis, countries that have invested more in science, more in technology, they grow through crises differently than countries that do not invest. Because those jobs, the highly skilled jobs, are what makes the difference. And so I think that these years have been about investing in that future. Uh, and as a mayor, it has been for me uh, a privilege because I, I had the privilege to work in Europe and then to come to, to Lisbon and to tell the people of Lisbon, look, we can do what others do. You know, sometimes when you come from a country that is only 10 million people uh, and a city that is half a million people, people think that you have to be in London or Paris to, to create a big company. And, and I'm telling people, no, 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 come here. Here we can make it. Well, I want to ask you, having succeeded in attracting these people and these companies and these startups here, are you confident that the policies are in place to keep them here? It's not just about 300 days of sunshine, is it? 
I think that there's uh, national government policies and then my policies. Uh, and I think that what I want to do is really to keep the policies that I have today of having myself as an ambassador to these new companies to attract people to live in Lisbon, but also to tell the new and the young and the talented that they have also to contribute to the city, right? Because I have seen a lot of cities that invested in innovation and technology, but then there's a division in between the ones that are the talented ones that now, because they rent places at a higher price, rents go up mm. and then people don't have and they cannot afford to pay rent, that we have really a contribution from those to those that are in need. Because a city is about an equilibrium, a balance in between those that are the ones that are highly educated, but also all the others. And I want Lisbon to have that balance. In this city, I mean, I mean we invest 500 million, we're investing 500 million in building new houses for people that cannot afford rent. So we are investing more than ever, much more than we invest in technology. Uh, we invest in health plans where people are older than 65 years old, they have a free health plan. Uh, public transportation, as you know here, the young people or the elderly people, they don't pay public transportation. So it's about a social welfare at the local level to create a balance and to create a city that people feel comfortable. It's not a you know? straightforward process, is it? because you're getting pressure essentially from both sides, as you've just illustrated there. Um, you attract these people here, uh, and some of them are finding that the pillars of attraction that brought them here are perhaps not always what they hoped they would be. There are reports of people changing their mind, having mm -hmm. spent some time in Lisbon, because they find an excess of administrative red, red tape, perhaps public services that can't quite cope, perhaps the housing situation mm -hmm. that is a problem. Things like the golden visa scheme is under some pressure at being, of being scrapped. You've had to introduce taxes on crypto assets, little things like that that chip away at the overall offer yeah. that is being made. Absolutely. I think those, those things in particular that you just mentioned, uh, I'm uh, in disagreement with the government exactly because I think that you still need to attract investment to this country. Uh, unfortunately, some of those measures uh, are not in my power, but what is in my power is to really make the lives of people that live in this place called Lisbon easier. And when you ask people why they came, uh, it's very interesting because they don't tell you that they came for Lisbon, to Lisbon because of tax breaks or uh, because of the weather. They really say that they come to Lisbon and they feel at home. They feel this sense of belonging. And I think that is very unique. That is very unique. It's not enough. And I hope that uh, those policies, some of those policies can be some reverted to keep attracting the and, investment. And meanwhile, I think of it's course, very important. other European capitals desperate for a slice of the action that Lisbon is enjoying. Spain, cities in Spain, also introducing tax breaks, also introducing special visas. You're going to have to work hard to hold on to your edge, right? And I will. I think that I will. But I think that uh, really the, the way and the journey that we've done today uh, is kind, is not irreversible because nothing is irreversible in, in life. But I think that the ecosystem that we have created is now very, very strong. And then you alluded to it there, forgive me, I want to carry on on this train of thought, you alluded to it, the other side of the problem here, which is your constituents, the residents of this city of Lisbon, who Absolutely. see this rapid gentrification, who see 
the rise, huge rise in property prices. This is one of the most buoyant property markets in Europe now. Rentals, unaffordable. People are being pushed out of their homes, pushed out of their city. What's in it for them in this tech-driven economy? I think that there's several things. This is also a balance. I mean, what's in there for them, it's their kids have a future, right? Uh, today, a young kid in Lisbon, out of engineering school, he has opportunities, right? Uh, my, I've inaugurated a couple of days ago, our 12th Unicorn is a company from Denmark. Uh, they came here with five people. Now they have 140, and they are going to 300. And those are jobs from the kids of the people of Lisbon that are out of university and they stay, they have a good salary. That's the positive side. The negative side is that if you attract people with higher salaries and talented, the real estate price goes up. And so then it's up to us, the government, the government of the city to give the example. I have 22,000 apartments in Lisbon where there's 66,000 people that live and they pay affordable rents. Those rents for the ones that cannot pay sometimes are like 10 euros per month or 20 euros per month. But now, now I'm building for those that are teachers or nurses or people that have professions that cannot afford anymore. I'm talking about rents of 200 euros or 300 euros. Say so they can live in the city. But it's up to us. It's a policy of the government, in this case of the city, to invest in rehousing for people that cannot afford anymore. And that has a lesson here because it's not about saying no, now we don't want people that come from outside. We want them, but we have to invest 100 more times in those policies, being it housing, being it healthcare, which is also an issue, uh, and uh, all the policies that are about social welfare. I mean, there's no kid in this city that pays more than one euro when they eat at school. So the ones that cannot pay, they don't pay, and all the rest, they pay 70 cents per meal. You know, so. Those are policies that I can do exactly because I have the taxes that come from these companies. So it's, it's, a, it's a balance, it's difficult, but I think that we are doing a, a very good job at that balancing between the ones that have and the ones that don't have by having a really uh, strong social welfare at the city level. And yet I must put it to you, housing NGOs say City Hall is not doing enough. Protests continue. People are going through very difficult Absolutely, accept absolutely. That, right? and I accept that criticism because I think that's the case not just in Lisbon but in other places. But one thing I can tell to those NGOs, I mean, there's uh, every problem. Uh, I know them by name. I know the people that actually don't have a home in Lisbon. My teams know them, and we have always a solution. So. Yes, sometimes the solutions are difficult, sometimes they're not permanent, but uh, if someone today comes to the town hall and they don't have where to sleep, the town hall has always a solution. We always had that solution. Okay, so we've talked about your vision for Lisbon, we've talked about some of the costs, some of the benefits. I want to go back now to that challenge that you issued uh, to those young people, those young tech entrepreneurs, the digital nomads out there, focus technology on humanity and democracy, you said, in order to solve the problems of the world. How confident are you that that constituency out there of young, upwardly mobile, ambitious, money-driven young people are actually going to take up your challenge instead of just perhaps the purer pursuit of exploring technology to its limits, good or bad? I think this generation is different. You know, I think this generation of these entrepreneurs is very different what from my generation. 
I think that they really are looking for purpose. They want to make money, they want to be successful, and rightly so, but I think that they want to feel some purpose on their lives. And that purpose comes from being in a world where you have a huge crisis of climate change and you know that you really have to invest to avoid a disaster, right? Uh, a place where you have people that have nothing. And my conversations in the unicorn factory where I deal with these companies all the time, they really want to have part of their investment, part of their business to really help the city. And, and I think that is very different from my generation. To be frank, I think that my generation was a generation that in business was focused uh, on profit. I think that this generation, of course, focuses also on profit, but they want to leave uh, a legacy. And you know, when you have this generation there's, that is so afraid, and rightly so with the climate change, uh, it really makes a difference in their minds. They know that if they don't do something about it, then we have no planet in the future. And so I think that uh, there's very few I know that are not focused on at least contributing part of their business to the future of humanity. And the thing is that there's no ecosystem still in Europe where you have them together to work for that purpose. And I think that Lisbon can be with this new project that I call Alice Ubo, Safe Harbor, uh, where they can come and work together around those projects that have a meaning a meaning in our, in our lives and the future of the cities. AI, artificial uh, intelligence, is what everyone's talking about, of course. It's what so many people are very worried about. Do you worry in any part of your being that just maybe as you grow this mm -hmm. vast tech ecosystem, you might be unwittingly seeding AI projects that in the future may work against humanity, may work against democracy? I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm a very positive and a techno-optimist. Uh, I think that technology is a tool, so AI is a tool. I mean, I don't think that AI will be human. Uh, AI will always be AI. Uh, AI can help humans to be better. And so I have this vision of AI for humanity, where AI is a tool to help you to be a better person. It's up to you, it's up to us, it's up to our countries to use AI in that direction. But you know, in five years down the road, I don't want my doctor to be AI. I want my doctor to have AI. And I think that when everybody has AI, the differentiator is emotions, is human, is feelings. And I think that uh, innovation is also these days about crossing to the social uh, sciences, uh, to what is human. And, and I think that is, for me, is an inspiration. Of course, you tell them there will be bad guys that use AI to, to destroy. Yes, of course, there will, but I, I hope that's marginal compared to the good that one can get out of uh, artificial intelligence. Portugal faces a snap election after Antonio Costa resigned as prime minister. It will be an election in which there will be a focus on corruption in high office. To what extent might that be an impediment for the city of Lisbon in terms of attracting foreign investment, in terms of your overall project? I think that when you are in a political crisis, it's never good. It's never good for the country or the image of the country. Uh, but I think that uh, Portugal overall 
uh, has been a country where you have an historical record uh, of good people in politics. I mean, uh, and we had the great leaders in politics that are um, totally, uh, I would say, people that have done good. And I think that all these crises, they um, make us think what we can do more. For instance, in the town hall, we have a new old department for anti-corruption uh, transparency. So we have done our side of the job, which is to create a transparent system at the level of the town hall. The city as a whole, uh, we are the engine of Portugal. We are more than 30% of the GDP of the country. So my message for the outside uh, is really that Lisbon is a city that uh, the governance of the city, their stability, politically, socially and economically. And I think that the country in the next elections will find again that stability, uh, political stability, economic stability and social stability. But yes, I mean, when you live through a crisis like that, there's always an effect. But I think that overall, I think that uh, Portugal and we have gone through getting into the EU in the 80s, uh, we have done a good job. Sometimes these things happen. Unfortunately, they should not have happened, but they happen and we have to deal with it, to deal with transparency, to look at the problems and, uh, and get over it and go for an election and then there will be a new government. Some people have linked you with the office of Prime Minister at some point in the future. Is that something you have an ambition for, a taste for? No, that's very flattering that people tell so because, it's because they like me and they, they think I'm doing a good job. But I really like to be a mayor and, and I really, uh, when I get up every day, if I think what's the office in politics that I love, it's to be a mayor. It's a very uh, immediate, impactful office where you can solve problems. Uh, and I'm with the people of Lisbon, so there's no way that uh, I'm running for any other office than the office of mayor of Lisbon now that I am and, and I love it. I think it's the best, I don't think there's a best political office today in the, in the world and then mayor. Mayors are very important uh, for the future of, of, of the humanity and the, the country, so I'm very happy as a mayor. Well, mayor of Lisbon indeed, Carlos Moedas, thank you thank for you. talking to Al Thank you very much.